are listening to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring you the best tactics, strategies, and actionable insights for change through our powerful interviews with change management practitioners and leaders. And now here's your host, Teresa Moulton. Welcome to the Change Management Review podcast. We're very lucky to have Dr. Kira Godfrey with us today. I'd like to tell you a little bit about Dr. Godfrey. Kira is a visionary coach, consultant, speaker, and creator of the Visionary Mindset System, a comprehensive program for leading transformational change starting with self. Throughout her career, she has co-developed numerous leadership courses on topics such as technical communication, stakeholder involvement, lean manufacturing, risk communications, change management, and transformational leadership. Dr. Godfrey founded Naris Communications, LLC, in 2007 and restructured the operating model in 2018 to focus on research-based online training and assessments that improve performance. She is certified as a DISC behavioral analyst, emotional intelligence coach, HRDQ personality style at work coach, ATD master trainer, Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt, and a change management practitioner. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Godfrey. Thank you so much, Teresa. I'm so happy to be here today. Yes, uh, we're excited to have you. Um, want to just start out with some basic uh, context setting and get your uh, get your point of view on what do you what do you think is really uh, going on in the ch- in change today? Yeah, I, I think the whole industry or whole business of change management is evolving and it continues to evolve. And I think it's dynamic because people are dynamic. People are different personality styles and different environments, and that helps to mold who we are today. And if we bring all our whole selves to work, and we hear that phrase often now, bring your whole self. And if we actually do that, then that means the workplace becomes this place where there's this dynamic where people are engaging. And so every day, every moment becomes a change opportunity. And so if we look at what's happening in business in general and in different industries and in the world, and the ecosystem that's called uh, business, as it evolves, people are evolving. And as people evolve, business evolves as well. And so I, I think what's changing now and where we are today from a change management perspective is understanding the individuals and what's happening at the individual level and at the people at the core, the emotional level, and being able to now explain and also lead people through this dynamic called change. And how do we do that in a way that still we are performing or inspiring performance on the level that businesses need in order to grow? So it, it's 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 an area where from a leadership perspective, it's, it's not only about, or it has evolved from command and control 
the person who has the most technical knowledge becomes the leader. And all you're required to do is to make sure these troops make it from here to there. But it does matter now that yes, we still wanna go from here to there. We still wanna go from our current state to our future state, but how you do that now has evolved that we want to do that in a way where people still re retain their whole self that I'm bringing myself. I now have a voice in this change that is happening that is not happening to me. It's happening with me and I'm a part of that change. And so that's, I think the trend is not just saying this is changing and therefore we expect you to do it. It's we'd like this change to take place. How can you be a part of this so we can all go through it? As a leader, I bring my whole self. As a team, you bring your whole self and we elevate the business together. You know, that's um, really well said. And I was wondering what you think about um, how to actually help employees bring their whole self to work in this hybrid working model that we have going on right now. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. It, in, in, a, in a way, especially in this hybrid working model, it does require even a greater sense of understanding who are the people. And I, I grew up watching Sesame Street, so I there's a saw that says, who are the people in your neighborhood? <laughs> That's right. Is now. And it, it, still, it still holds true that even though I cannot see you, how, how do I still connect with you and mm -hmm. you're able to, I am able, I'm able to connect with you and I'm able to see you from the perspective of, I identify with who you are. I see you. I see what you bring to the table. I see your thoughts. I see you. And in, in, in many ways, that's what people want. I know I'm getting paid for a particular service but I still want you to see me as a person as I exchange this service for you know, a paycheck. But still, there is this idea of we have to connect in a way that you see the value beyond the work, that my presence, the presence of the people on the team are able to do so much more and that synergy that's happening that we're able to grow. And so even though we're in a space of uh, we may not see each other every day and we, we don't have the chats around the water cooler like we used to, we can still do that even in the virtual context of checking in with each other, of asking questions, of creating this collaborative workspace, even virtually. And we've been able to do that on several teams that have been a part of um, projects during the pandemic. Those were the times when we looked at different software such as uh, Miro, M-I-R-O, Miro is a, is a whiteboarding tool. And we were still able to have brainstorming sessions using that tool with, with many people in the room um, virtually. And it turned out to be this way where your thoughts are still being, being heard and you have this opportunity to share and collaborate together. And that's still valuable, whether you're working remote or whether you're, in, you're seeing each other each day in the workplace. Yeah, I agree. And it seems like people have been adaptable, um, oh. 
you know, from when we all were in COVID and locked down and really not having a choice about how we communicated with our worker, workers, colleagues, and, and uh, employers, um, how do you think change is different in a crisis than when it's a planned change? Yeah, good question. So in, in my area of change management, especially as I look at people and individuals from a leadership perspective, COVID presented a, an opportunity where we were able to see the dynamic of truly the, the human spirit, uh, what the human spirit can do and how resilient the human spirit is. In my work, I spend a lot of time in emotional intelligence, and then I, I am an emotional intelligence coach for EQ, um, EQ 2.0, but then also from the perspective of DISC and looking at different behavioral styles because it's understanding the people that's involved. And so when we looked at COVID, during the time of, of COVID, it, it really now forced us to now look from the opportunity of what it, what's happening with people. There are changes that are happening to the teams, but also the leader is going through the change as well. And so it was still brought upon the leader to, we still want you to lead your team. We still want you to perform. But the idea is that the leader is also being impacted. And mm. so you saw then that the skills or upskilling the leader was, was critical because we went from change management being an area of planned change where we know we were implementing a new system or software, we knew a, a merger or acquisition was happening, to now there's this change happening and we moved from something planned to now the concept of there's a crisis going on, there is chaos happening, and many people look to their change team for answers. Um, and one area we looked at was there's a model called the stress recovery life cycle model. And a colleague of mine, she and I created this model um, and her name is Shonda Sammons. This model now looked from the perspective of there's, there's five phases here. And in the first phase, there's shock. There is something happened, something changed, something happened that we did not expect to happen. It was unplanned. So now it threw us into a, a crisis mode and some of our normal tactics that we would typically use didn't come into play because again, during the shock phase, something that we did not expect, uh, it's almost like that phrase, someone moved my cheese <laughs> and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be moved. A threat has invaded my world. And so for many people that happened and we all were a part of it, even being change practitioners. And you would think that being a change practitioner, we were calm and, you know, yes, let's do a stakeholder analysis. Let's do the change impact analysis. So we want to go, what is our current state right now? No, it was none of that. We were all <laughs> thrown into this space. And I, I always say that is not organizations that change, is really the people change in, in the organization. So we have to look at the people and what's happening in the space. And so we experienced this shock. And when the shock happens, many of us then began to, to scramble. And this is what happens in a, in a crisis, we scramble. Mm -hmm. And you saw when many things happen during the scrambling phase, it's like, we don't know, 
information is not is not available right now and not readily available. What we think we know, we, we don't know. There's information and, and rumors coming from all different angles. And that's, we definitely experienced that through COVID. And in many times, even in the workplace, that happens as well. Sometimes the plan change of a, of a merger and acquisition, there is leadership that knows that what's happening, but many people at, at different levels of your organization may not know. So the shock of, a merger, a shock of an acquisition, the shock of a divorce, the shock of anything that's happening that's that's changing your world, it does send you into this mode of I'm scrambling now. I don't know what to do. And then mm-hmm. is what's happening that in, in uh, science, we know from the brain perspective that amygdala hijack, we call it, where it's, it's this panic that's taking mm-hmm. place. And I always like to describe panic as this groundless fear. Like, I don't know why I'm feeling this anxiety and I'm panicking, but it, it's it's groundless right now, I call it, but it's still there. And it requires, it requires us as humans to do something. And so many of us, you know, the last time we know when there is, you know, there is a, a, a storm, like we all go to the grocery store, we buy stuff. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, okay, there's lack of toilet tissue. <laughs> So we all go buy toilet tissues because we're scrambling and we don't know what to do. We don't know what's happening. And so we try to do the thing that we most familiar with. And that's what's, that's typical. That's what's happening. But we want to move from that scramble phase. And as more information becomes together, we begin to stretch. And so for many of us, then we did stretch. We became school teachers (laughs) Our kids were at home now. So now we're working at home and then we're sharing our office at home with our children. And we're we're doing things that that beyond what we ever thought we'll be able to do all at one time. That we're all home together and we are not able to go. Our, our normal routine has been disrupted and we're stretching ourselves to find this level of comfort. And that's the part of the human spirit where we're always after being in this state of homeostasis. We want this balance. And so from the shock, we can't live in shock mode all the time. We can't live in scramble mode. And as humans, we are resilient and we are adaptable. So begin to stretch and do the things that we know we need to do at the time. Based on the information that we have, we stretch our abilities. And over a period of time, and for many of us, we did settle into a routine. It was an, It became, we all, all call it the new normal and began to work at home and we found different technology and different ways of working together and begin to settle down and settle in into this idea. And for me, with my children, yes, they were sharing an office with me and I decided, I'm like, okay, if we're going to do this, we got to get organized here. And so we created like this, this Kanban system where we knew, we knew, okay, this is the work that's being done. This is the work that's in progress. This is the work that's finished. And if it's in this stage, that means I need to go and review it. And then we submit it together. Like we had this system going, we began to settle in this whole idea. We had this system of, okay, this is our life right now. And we're going to settle down and settle into this. And eventually we kept doing that and we did experience the next, the, the, the next phase, which is this success phase where 
no, it, the process did not work out the way we thought it would before the shock happened. But the goal that we wanted to achieve, which is the kids finishing the school year, we experienced that. They finished the school year. And so success may look different for different people, but we achieved a goal. We achieved an, an objective. And as long as now in the workplace, as a leader, we're teaching leaders how to now take this, this, this recovery life cycle and as our teams and ourselves recover from this stress, how do we now find we begin to settle down and settle in where we achieve this level of success? And throughout all of this, the major skill as, as a change practitioner, and not that we are trying to make every leader a change practitioner, but emotional intelligence has become such a, a, a critical skill in leadership that an emotional and intelligent leader will be able to take their themselves and their teams through this cycle of how do we go through a shock together and then we keep moving. And that's the goal is to keep moving and not to get stuck in the earlier phases, not to get stuck in the shock, not to get stuck in the scrambling, not to get stuck in the stretching, because we can stretch but stretching only lasts for a period of time before you wear yourself out. And then we get into a settled phase and it's all about a mindset shift throughout this period. And so I think this is the hybrid between change and a crisis, but in, in change and in a crisis, the common factor that keeps us moving is that emotional intelligence, is that empathy and that care to see the individual and to walk through this step together. And it takes a lot of listening. It takes a lot of caring to be able to move through this. So I think you, you asked the first question was about where what's happening and where is the, the, sh the shift in the industry? Where are we going? And I think emotional intelligence and the, the importance of it is definitely heightened in, in this phase of, of business and in life. That's, that's very interesting. I like the model that you created. Um, I love the idea of the stretching because that's really what we all had to do. We all really had to stretch if we were going to survive. Um, one of the questions as you were speaking that uh, came to mind for me was what were some of the, what were some of the muscles that uh, leaders had to build or skills that leaders had to build in order to adjust and lead through the COVID phase? Yeah, I, I think there are two. And one is, it's in, and you may say, oh gosh, that's not really a muscle, but it, it is the, the muscle of listening mm -hmm. and, and being quiet and not always feeling that you have to have the answers. And I got a chance to test that out because I've always, I don't know why I've had this, I think it's just a personal thing or I don't know, call it a personal flaw, you may say, because I always felt that I needed to have an answer. Someone asked a question, you should have an answer, some type of answer. And I remember somebody asked me a question and I said, 
you know, I don't, I really don't have an answer right now. Let me, you know, I, 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 let me, I haven't thought about that. I, I don't have an answer. And I was in myself, I'm like yeah, grabbing my chest, like, oh my gosh, I did not give an answer. And the most shocking thing happened. The person said, oh, okay. And that was it. Mm. What? The world didn't end. <laughs> Nobody tried to attack me. And it was like, Kira, give yourself the grace to be quiet. And if you don't have an answer, it's okay. And I think the muscle of just being still, giving yourself <laughs> the grace and listening, and it's okay. And I think that's the part of, of a muscle that definitely got, got stretched and used a lot and, and stretched to the case that it, it was built. It was built during the time of the pandemic. I think for many leaders, they had to listen because people are coming in with different types of issues and concern, whether it was the passing of a loved one, whether it was, I can't uh, keep the hours because now I have to be at home. It was several things that now leaders are being stretched in different areas. And it's a time where they got a chance to sit back and listen. And yeah. Take yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and, and I think what's interesting about what you said is that those are things people had to learn. You know, they they could take them for granted when they're in person, but they really had to learn how to create the space uh, to rebuild relationships virtually. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation out there about that. But, you know, we always have those HR classes like uh, active listening 101 or whatever it is. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, leader, yeah. leaders kind of opt in or they opt out of of active listening or effective listening and i really feel like um the leaders that succeeded through covid were the ones who were able to create space for the other the other people in the conversation yeah yeah and the, the flip side the, the flip side of the muscle of listening is the empathy of now i want to hear what you have to say and is engaging in this conversation of let tell me about you what's happening with you it's like i can pause but pausing may not just be that i'm i'm fully engaged in this conversation and so now we have the pause and we have this engagement in i am listening i'm being empathetic to what you're saying i am identifying the emotions that that are in that's in me and I see and I identify those emotions that are in you and I'm able to relate with you. I'm able to connect with you. And so one of the things we did during, uh, during the pandemic is that we did not start every meeting. And if the meeting started at, at two o'clock, well, we took that beginning part of the meeting and let's check in with each other. Hey, mm -hmm. how's everyone going? How was your weekend? And, you know, just having this, this time where we're able to just, just check in, you know, mm -hmm. and listen a bit. And so that's what, that's what we did. And, and so, of course, with there's a, a more private conversation and you can have those private conversations, but it's, it's, it's that check-in and, and listening, pausing, so you can also ex ex to extend that other muscle, which is that empathetic muscle. Yes, I agree. 
And with any hope, we'll be bringing those muscles into life as it is now in the hybrid world and, um, and beyond. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, it's, I I think one of the things that pandemic did too, was that it it showed us that we don't really have a a work life and a home life that the line got blurred a Mm -hmm. whole lot, you know, in in terms of at five o'clock, I, I did not get up and leave. Uh, my desk were mainly because probably at two, 12 o'clock, I went and made lunch. So my day began to look different. And so, yes, my my hours stretched into more of the evening because I took more of my daytime and had addressed some some concerns with the children mm-hmm. or, I, you know, group work going on or they needed help. Like I was there. And so it was this this idea that who we are and how we show up at work is it, it, it blended with who we are and how we showed up at home. And so you, you, you couldn't easily say, well, this is me at work. Well, we had to, all of us had to look in ourselves and say, well, who am I? I didn't get a chance to put on my work face. So who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, many of us, and it, it so resembles the way we probably showed up was okay. The top half of me right now is dressed, but the bottom <laughs> half of me <laughs> is in the bed. Like, and so we, we almost felt like this, uh, this you know, split personalities or something because you 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 just like you had to find this balance in who we are and decide that today I'm going to be me, the most authentic me, and I'm going to bring that myself, my work ethics, and who I am into this conversation at work and also bring that into the conversation at home. And I think for those who were able to find that balance and to settle in as to this is who I am, I think they thrived really well um, through their pandemic and, and emotional intelligence had a lot to do with that. I agree, very well said, very well said. So um, we're almost out of time, but one of the things that I wanted to congratulate you on is your new book, which I think it came out today, you said? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Again, another project I started during the pandemic. Actually, I started writing a book. It was February of 2020. Now, little did I know, like a month later, everything change, but it did give me the opportunity to, to write the book. I did take some time away from it, but it's called leaving normal, Mm. how how to let go and move the heck on. (laughs) That's the name of the book. Nice. (laughs) And it is available on Amazon now, Amazon, and it's also available on Kindle. Oh, um, great. Yeah, so I'm very excited about the book, and it's 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 just truly about the more of a, a personal transformation. But I, I share many stories of of transforming and and moving from from Nassau, Bahamas. I am from Nassau, Bahamas originally, and I moved to the United States at the age of 16. Wow! It's the adjustment of of change, and we take we take the reader through. Uh, another model, which is the DPARF model. Um, and we take them through this, through that of how to change and, and adapt to different environments 
and to get the life that you want. And that's the the nature of the book, leaving normal. Oh, it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud. Oh, of that's it. great. And if um, folks want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to, to reach you, Kira? The best way to reach me is, is probably via LinkedIn. Um, you okay. can reach me on LinkedIn, Kira S. Godfrey. Okay. Uh, you can also go to my website at um, www.narriscommunications.com. Okay. That sounds great. So um, just to clarify for people, Kira spells her name K-E-E-R-A. Um, and then it's S. Godfrey, um, G-O-D-F-R-E-Y. Uh, and Naris Communication is N-A-R-I-S communication.com just so everybody has it yeah, um, thank you thank you so much for coming on on to the change management review podcast it was a wonderful conversation and i look forward to uh hearing um the commentary uh and conversations as a result of it oh yes thank you so much it was a pleasure i really appreciate it mine too we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.